Amen. Please be seated. Good morning and thank you. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, I'm blown away by you guys. I was fully prepared to preach to a half-empty room this morning. Uh, it is nasty and cold, and I, I really just can't believe that you guys have shown up the way you have. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. Thank you for coming today. Um, I, I really do mean that. I appreciate it. Uh, obviously, it's where, where we need to be, uh, but just because I know that doesn't mean that everybody always feels that way. I rolled over this morning, and, and I said to Angela, if I didn't have to preach, maybe I didn't really. She was still asleep when I rolled over. So, But um, uh, anyway, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, the first chapter. A couple of things uh, as we jump in. Um, we, we've really not sold out with our our commitment or our, our information about it, but this is the time of the year when we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Um, and uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering is, is sort of the most important mission offering we do every single year. Every single dime that comes into Malvern Hill Baptist Church through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to support international missionaries on the field. None of that money stays right here, none of it gets used for postage, none of that money even gets used for administrative costs. Uh, with the International Mission Board, every single dollar and every single dime that comes in through the International Mission Board goes to support international missionaries. Um, tonight, we're going to have an emphasis on, on, on uh, missions this evening. We're actually going to uh, be um, Skyping or FaceTiming with Luke and Patty Talbert, who are IMB missionaries from our church who are in Latvia. Uh, we're going to be sp- uh, spending some time with them, uh, video chat this evening. So I hope you can come uh, tonight as we just sort of talk about uh, missions and why it's important um, and exactly how it is that we're able to support missions financially through our church body. Uh, but again, thank you for being here. Our, our children, uh, a good number of our elementary school children are away at camp this morning. Um, Rhonda and, and Wanda are there with them um, and that's the biggest reason why there's no children's worship for our older ones. Uh, but I do just that they should be back by the time we finish up this morning. All right, if you have your Bibles, again, we are in Matthew chapter 1. As we continue working towards Advent, we're going to talk about a silent night beginning in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. Now this is God's Word, so pay attention. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that as we come into this place in the powerful name of Emmanuel, God with us, that, Father, you'd be glorified and praised through our time. I pray that you'd be honored. I pray that you'd work in and among us and through us. That this word would jump off the page. That, Father God, it wouldn't just be 
the fulfillment of a prophecy 2,000 years ago. But Lord God, the fulfillment of your promise to us even today. In Jesus' name, amen. How can we honor Christ when the night isn't silent? The Christmas buster stole this. Um, he's here somewhere. I saw him. But uh, they had a um, senior dinner or breakfast Tuesday, and Buster took my illustration. He didn't know that, but he used it. Uh, but I'm using it again. Christmas truce of 1914 was a series of unofficial and unplanned truces that took place across the Western Front of World War I around Christmas of 1914. During a lull in the fighting in some places, men left their trenches and ventured into no man's land where they exchanged gifts, sang songs, played soccer, and in some places even participated in joint burial services between enemy forces. In the midst of hell on earth, what at that time was known simply as the Great War, they found a way to find silence in the chaos. Well, because I don't know about you, but sometimes it can be difficult to honor Christ when the night isn't silent. We sing silent night, holy night, but even as we sing it, I wonder if, if maybe some of you uh, do the same thing that I do. You, you sit there and you go, when are we going to get a silent night? I wonder how Mary and Joseph would respond to hearing Silent Night being sung today. I wonder if Mary and Joseph would go, yep, that's exactly the way it worked out in our lives. How many of you, how many of you remember, uh, those of you that are parents, how many of you remember young children? Raise your hand. And by young, I mean infants, right? How, how, much, how much did you enjoy this? Enjoy these moments. They are the best moments of your life. All of you senior adults that said that to us when we had six-month-olds, y'all should all be persecuted. Some of you are going, oh, you're so mean. No, I'm telling you. I know. There is, it's difficult to enjoy children that won't sleep, isn't it? It's hard. Some of you are going, wait till you get to the teenage years. Look here, I ain't made it there yet, so I can dread what I got right now. The kids are in with us this morning. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> How can we honor Christ when the night isn't silent? It's just not always, is it? Because look, we make it through those years and then there's just something else and something else and something else. We sing Silent Night at Christmas. We just sang it and it is one of my favorite. But sometimes it seems like a faraway fairy tale. A fleeting fantasy. Last night by some miraculous stroke of providence, we had a silent night in our home. I, 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 Angela and I didn't plan it, it just kind of happened. and I don't even know, we didn't, I don't think we really fully appreciated it to one another it, it immediately, but there was this lull in the activity in the Thompson home. Angela wrapped gifts for like three hours last night. Y'all, normally presents get wrapped at our house on December the 24th and a half. Somehow in the midst, the, the rainy day actually forced us to, to, to not be as busy as we normally would have. And so we enjoyed a silent night. We had dinner, the kids went to bed, Angela and I sat up and 
Um, she wrapped presents. I tried to help. I did this one bag. I, I put a gift in the bag, and I said, hey, babe, what do you think about this? And I just got this. Okay. Okay. I said, do you have any tissue paper? She said, I'll just finish it for you. So guys, you know what that meant to me? That meant put my feet up on the couch and provide moral support while she wrapped the presents. It was wonderful. But you know, in the midst of our silent night, I discovered lots of people were having just the opposite. Because my phone buzzed with notifications about hospitalizations, car accidents, struggles and strife. And folks, the reality is, that's a whole lot of what life is like, isn't it? The reality is that it seems that the silent nights are few and fleeting. They sort of punctuate the chaos of life. And folks, what I want you to know is that Jesus is right there with you in the middle of the chaos. He doesn't leave you in the storm. He walks with you. My mom's favorite hymn when I was a kid was that old hymn in the garden. I go to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And, and there in, in the, the chorus of the song, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. A child one time said, who is Andy? There is no Andy. And he walks. But he does that in the garden, but he, guess what? He also does it in the storm. When Jesus met the disciples on a stormy sea, he was there with them. When they were afraid the boat would be capsized, he was asleep in the boat with them. Lord, don't you care? And Jesus says, have you lost your mind? Who are you with? Peace, be still. The storm doesn't scare the Lord because he is the God of the storm. And he is with you. Folks, this morning, how do you honor Christ when the night isn't silent? First thing, I want you to remember that God is present in the chaos. God is present in the chaos. Folks, we sing Silent Night. We sing, we sing all these songs about, and we, we just sort of, I mean, Christmas is beautiful. And, and the effort is to make it silent quiet and soft and serene and enjoyable and we celebrate Mary and then we sing Mary did you know well she knew obviously the angel told her but 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 we sing these songs and these songs are just sort of flowing and they're 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 not they're not staccato right they're, they're not they're not choppy Kevin, y'all would be very frustrated if Kevin stood up here this morning and if 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 our Christmas music sounded more like a heavy metal concert but can I suggest to you that in the lives of Mary and Joseph, Christmas was more, the first Christmas, was more like a haunted house than Christmas lights. It was terrifying. It was chaotic. They were betrothed to be married. And in the ancient world, that betrothal carried with it more than just what we understand as an engagement. This was a legal binding agreement. They were married without the benefit of marriage, if you know what I'm saying. That's what's happening right here. They are married without all the benefits. 
And here Mary comes to Joseph and says, oh, by the way, we've got an issue here. I'm going to have a baby. Folks, this was terrifying. It was horrifying. It was everything terrible imaginable. Because Mary, first of all, had to have been terrified that the punishment of Deuteronomy 22 would be meted out against her. Because the punishment for adultery, the punishment for adultery for a betrothed woman, according to Deuteronomy 22, is stoning. She had to be terrified first that that could take place. If that didn't take place, she had to be terrified that she would be doing this all alone as a social pariah, as an outcast. But for Joseph, this was also a serious problem, wasn't it? See, here Joseph has this beautiful woman that he is betrothed to. Now, guys, imagine with me that your wife or your fiance comes and says, Hey, I'm pregnant. It's not your baby. This is a moment of chaos. This is a moment of terrible fear. This is no silent night. This doesn't in the moment appear to be a holy night or a holy season. As we march toward Advent, we light candles and we read, uh, we read Scripture. But as they march toward Advent, what did they do? They just had to figure out a way to survive. Folks, a lot of times life is just about survival, isn't it? How many of you have been there? When at times life is just about making it through the next minute, the next hour, the next day. You're not sure what the night might hold. You're not sure what comes with the morning. You read the Psalms and the Psalms said the sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes with the morning and you're still waiting for your morning. Mary and Joseph found themselves in the midst of a God-induced nightmare. But folks, can I tell you that in the midst of that, God was still with them. Folks, God is present in our chaos. If we're not careful, we create this picture of the Christian life that says it's all roses. And it's just not. Sometimes in the Christian life, hard things still happen. Bad things still happen. Bad things still happen. We still live in a world that is consumed and dominated by sin. The prince of the power of the air is very active among us. He works diligently to oppose the things of the Lord, the people of the Lord. Here Joseph and Mary are. Mary is pregnant with a child that is not his. And she has to go to him and say, Joseph, I don't know how you're going to take this. But there's going to be a baby. The Bible says Joseph was a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, but resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord. Do you know that in the middle of your chaos, God has not left you? One of the most terrible things that I hear in my office or on the other end of my cell phone 
or people that call and say, Pastor Craig, I, 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 feel, like, I feel like God must be judging me. Folks, Jesus took your judgment on the cross of Calvary. He is the propitiation for your sin. You have been forgiven. Your sins have been atoned for. There is no need for him to judge you twice. He is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And in the hard things of your life, he doesn't take his ball and go home. He doesn't pack his bags and leave. He is with you, walking with you. Holding you above the water in the midst of the storm. With the promise of Isaiah 43, when I walk through the waters, you will be with me. When I pass through the fire, I will not be burned. This is the God present with us in the chaos. He was with Joseph, he was with Mary, and he was with you even when the night isn't silent. Number two this morning. So remember that God is present. Number two, consider your place in God's plan. Look at this. Joseph pondered. Now in all of my life, I've read the Christmas story, and for some reason I've never wondered what it meant to ponder. Now I thought I knew what it meant to ponder, but every once in a while I'm reading in the Bible and I, I say, I wonder exactly what the original writer must have meant when he said pondered. We don't use that word ponder very often. In my version, the ESV, it says, as he considered these things. Well, I said, what does all that mean? Well, what, it, what it means is that as he flipped them over and over in his head, as he turned them around and around, as he focused on them intently, as he gave time and effort into carefully considering what all of these things were. Folks, consider your place in God's plan. It's almost superfluous for the Bible to tell us that Joseph was a just man. The fact that he wanted to keep this quiet and the fact that he was not interested in shaming Mary speaks volumes about him. But Joseph did more than that. The Bible says he pondered, he considered, he, he thought, he wondered. Joseph heard Mary's story and Joseph didn't completely write her off. Joseph had enough faith in God, enough trust in Mary to at least consider what had been told to him. Folks, when's the last time you carefully considered God's plan, God's word, God's intention, your particular situation in life? When's the last time that you disconnected for just a few moments to meditate carefully on what you knew about God or what God had said in his word? When's the last time that you disconnected for a little while and said, speak for your servant is listening. We live in an age of incredible distraction. It is so easy to be distracted by just about everything. Listen, I carry with me the most distracting piece of technology that I'm convinced the world has ever created. Right here. This thing forces me to never be bored unless I want to be. And yet we live in an age where people report boredom more than at any other period in the history of civilization. Why? Because we've become convinced that our brains are to be constantly engaged. And yet the Bible says Joseph pondered. When's the last time you pondered? When's the last time that you just got alone? When's the last time you turned the television off? When you left your phone in another room? Or perhaps in another building or in another place? And you just thought... You just wondered, you just pondered, you just got lost in your thoughts. 
Not lost in feeling sorry for yourself. That's not the same thing. You don't know what causes me to get lost feeling sorry for myself? Let's come back to my favorite thing, this thing right here. Why? Because one of the ways that it distracts us is by telling us how good everybody else has it and how terrible we are. When's the last time that I stopped looking outside at everybody else and started looking up and I, I pondered? Silence and solitude, meditation, those are Christian disciplines that are lost on us. What's it look like to be disconnected, to not have cell service? What's it look like to not have somebody to talk to or the radio to listen to? What's it look like? What's it feel like? What does it sound like in your head for all the other competing voices to die away and to focus and to wonder, is it possible that maybe, just maybe, God might have something special for me? How do we know that Joseph was a just man? Well, the Bible tells us, so that's the first way. The second way we know is that Joseph actually took the time to consider that maybe in some crazy, insane way, Mary was telling him the truth. We live in an age of Me Too and everything else, and one of the things that I tire of hearing is that the Bible is just a patriarchal book that is that is bent on, on you know, beating down women and elevating men. And yet here we have Joseph listening to a young woman who is betrothed as his wife telling the most insane, incredible, unbelievable story imaginable. And Joseph ponders, perhaps this woman is telling me the truth. In an age where most men would not have given a second thought to what would have happened, this man who puts the Lord in the center of his life considers just for a moment that maybe there's a shred of truth in this terrific story and that God is doing something unique and spectacular. Folks, how often have you missed out on the incredible things that God has in your life because you've not taken the time to ponder to consider, to question, to think. Alan Jacobs wrote a really good book called How to Think Recently. Because what he and many others are beginning to, under, beginning to discover is that our culture has lost the ability to critically engage, to think. Why can't we think? Because we allow Google to do all the thinking for us. Rather than think for ourselves, we, we are constantly constantly within the reach of somebody else who can give me the answer. But here's the problem. Who else is going to give you the answer for what God particularly, specifically wants for you? Furthermore, who else is going to give you fellowship with the Lord? Do you know that you can't outsource your fellowship with Jesus? Do you know that? I can outsource a lot of things. And if I have more money, I can outsource even more things. But you know, I can't outsource the building of relationships. I can't do it. I, don't, I, I can't pay somebody to spend time with my kids. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I can. I can hire babysitters, but it doesn't, it doesn't build the relationship that I have with them. I want you all to imagine a situation where I call Angela tomorrow and say, Honey, I'm... I'm and, I love you so much that instead of me coming home to hang out with you and the kids, I've got somebody coming in my place. 
I'll see you in a week. Y'all think I'm going to come home and she's going to be like, I feel so much closer to you today than I did. We have spent such wonderful time together while you've been away and haven't talked. No, that's insane. I've got to spend the time pondering, wondering, focusing, enjoying. Consider your place in God's plan. Joseph pondered. He turned it over. He wrestled with this assertion that God had done something brand new. And then this is an amazing thing. The Bible teaches us that the Lord is found by those who seek Him. Watch. You watching? The Bible says that as Joseph was pondering, as he considered these things, behold! I love it when the Bible doesn't change that word. Like, right, I do. Behold should be all over the place. It's not just look. Look is some, you know? Look is like generic coffee. Behold, I mean, that is like dark roast, top shelf. Boom, it's right in your face. Look, ugh, decaf generic. Behold, yes, I'm awake. Feel free to purchase me any coffee that you'd like. I'll drink it all. Behold. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that what we hear from the Lord so often in the midst of our chaos? He's right there with us. What did he say to the disciples? He said, don't, don't be afraid. Behold, I am with you. What does he say to, to them post-resurrection? Oh, do not be afraid. What did they say to the shepherds we saw just last week? Do not fear, for behold, there it was again, I bring you good news of great joy. The angel of the Lord looks at Joseph and says, do not fear. Why? Because he was terrified. His life was on life support at this point in time. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And then comes one of my favorite verses in all the scripture passages. For he will save his people from their sins. Not he might. Not hopefully, not cross your fingers and something will work out. Call him Jesus. God saves. Why? Why should I call him that? Why do you want me to do that? He says, you name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. As he considered, the Bible says that God showed up. And gave him a very clear word. And what did Joseph do? Verse 25, 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did, ready? As the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph obeyed. What do I do when my night isn't silent? How do I honor Christ? First thing is to remember that God is present in the chaos. Second, consider your place in God's plan. And finally this morning, obey God's commands. Here's how Joseph obeyed, the way we've tried to teach our children to obey. All the way, right away, and with a happy heart. That happy heart is sometimes hard to get there. Adults, listen to me. Sometimes you've got to obey all the way and right away and then wait for the happy heart to show up. 
Parenting side note, sometimes you have to help them obey all the way right away and trust that on the back end a happy heart will show up. Parenting side note number two, that applies for four-year-olds and three-year-olds and two-year-olds. And if you didn't do it for your two, three, four, and five-year-old, it's going to be harder for your 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old. But you better do it for your 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old because otherwise they're not going to obey all the way or right away or have a happy heart at 25 and they're out of your house and you can't do a thing with it. Okay? Obedience. Joseph obeyed right then. I saw this morning that one of the, 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 rising, the rising parental fears is video gaming addiction. For one particular, for Fortnite. Now, Wyatt plays Fortnite sometimes. Sometimes I play Fortnite, I die. I don't really, like, I, I don't get, whatever. Everybody has a good time with it. But there, there are kids being checked into facilities because middle schoolers are playing for, ready, 12 hours a day. Okay, I, I want y'all to just pump your brakes for just a minute. Okay? If a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old, if anybody that lives under your roof is playing a video game for 12 hours a day, you need to look in the mirror because you're the problem, mama and daddy, period. Now, I know that's ugly, but I'm just telling you, if I had a concern that my children were so obsessed with a video game that they were going to need to be checked into a facility, let me tell you what we would do. We would call AT&T and I would say, turn off the internet. Period. It's done. Well, what? Yeah, yeah, it's going to make my life a little difficult. But really, that's what parenting is. It's called difficulty all the time with the hopes that at the end of the day, it gets a little bit easier. All right? Parenting is hard. Joseph obeyed. Now, you're saying, Craig, why are you giving us a parenting sermon? Because listen to me. If we ever hope to have adults who obey, we have to teach them what obedience is. I'm going to guarantee you this. Somebody taught Joseph somewhere along the way what it was to obey. He learned obedience. And because he had learned obedience, when he received a command from the Lord, obedience came to him somewhat second nature. Okay? Somebody had taught him how to obey. We have to be taught how to obey. Why? Because we are by nature sinners. We are, what, are, what is sin? Sin is that which is, which, what, which is against the Lord. It separates us from God. We are at enmity with him. We are not by nature obedient. We are by nature what? Adversaries of the Lord. We have to be taught to obey. So that's why as parents, we teach our children to obey. Gr grandparents, do me a favor. Make sure you're teaching your grandchildren to obey. For goodness sake, spoil them. Parents, you should parent so that your, your, your parents have the opportunity to spoil your children, okay? They should be able to go to grandma's house and drink, you know, all the sugary drinks because they don't come to your house and drink them or whatever it is, okay? That, that, that's just it. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not finished, grandparents. But for goodness sakes, do not undermine the efforts of their parents in teaching them to obey. Don't ever look at, their, your, at your grandchildren and say, well, you don't have to listen to them. No, no they do. Because long-term spiritual health is taught. And so we teach our kids to obey. We do the hard things. The easy thing as a parent is to scream. Okay, the holidays are upon us. We, we, will, we will see 
some, we will see family members who are really good at sitting down in a chair and screaming at a kid from the other side of the room. Okay? Those same family members that were really good and people thought they were just terrible parents because they, they screamed and yelled all the time. Because guess what? It's a lot easier for me to sit right here and scream than it is to get up and walk over to that toddler and say, no, we don't do that. Take the spoon away, put it on the table, and send them somewhere else. That takes effort. Okay? If we don't do that at two, then the patterns perpetuate. And the parent who screams from afar at a two-year-old becomes the parent who continues to do nothing but scream at a, at a 16-year-old but is unwilling to do the hard things, like disconnect the Internet so that your kid doesn't play video games all day. Anyway, what does that matter? Joseph obeyed all the way and right away. Parents, look. Sometimes teaching our kids means we focus on all the way and right away right now. What about grace? Folks, we're teaching them to receive grace. The law comes before grace. And guess what? The law of God is not antithetical to his grace. The law of God is a part and product of his graceful love. He says to the children of, of Israel, he says to the Hebrew children right there as they come out of the Exodus, or, 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 or as they come out of Egypt through the Exodus, they cross the Red Sea, they come to the mountain, Moses goes up, God says, if you'll do all these things, then I'll love you, right? No, that's not even close to what he says at the Ten Commandments. He says, you are mine and I am yours. And as my children, this is how you behave. When he adopts them, he doesn't say, earn my love. He adopts them and he says, you have all of my love. Now, let me help you understand how this family operates. And just so you know, that is exactly how adoption works. And so, Joseph receives a command from the Lord. And that command is God's grace to him. Joseph, do not be afraid. Boom, right there, love. You don't have to be afraid, Joseph. You don't have to be afraid. But then God says, go figure it out. No, you don't have to be afraid. You can take her as your wife. Oh, and by the way, there's one other thing. Name him Jesus. That's a powerful name with meaning because Joseph, he will save his people from their sins. Joseph obeys all the way, right away. And apparently with some semblance of a happy heart, I'm going to guarantee you it wasn't happy the whole time because when he went home and told his mama, me and Mary still going to get married. When he told his dad, we don't know for sure, but he may have been kicked out of the family at that point. This is a shame culture. You won't bring that woman into our family. There's some, there seems to always be some scholarship that comes up around Christmas time to try and, you know, Cast, yeah, make Christmas not fun. Um, there's some scholarship that suggests that maybe Jesus wasn't born in a stable, um, but that perhaps because Palestinian homes of the day actually were built in such a way that they, they, they some of them actually brought some of the animals indoors. 
um, which seems a little odd, but the peasants did that. It was the safest way to keep them. And, and so there would be a, sort of a living quarters up and then sort of a, 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 a barn inside down. And, and perhaps Mary and Joseph uh, weren't, you know, wasn't, there, there was no room in the inn. Maybe they just laid him in a manger in somebody's house. Who knows? But I'm going to tell you this. There's a real possibility that Mary and Joseph showed up in Bethlehem, where all his family was from, and they didn't have anywhere to go. Because this woman is not welcomed in as a part of this family, and yet Joseph obeyed anyway. And in the midst of that obedience, God blessed them. Folks, listen to me. There comes a point in time when it is no longer okay to consider or ponder or think about God's plan for your life. At some point, the pondering has to cease and obedience has to happen. We should ponder, we should question, we consider. But when Joseph began to ponder, the Bible teaches us that the Lord heard him and answered and gave him clear direction. Folks, once God's will has been made known in your life, even if it's in chaos, once God's will has been made known, the time for pondering is over, the time for obedience has arrived. How can you honor Christ when the night isn't silent? Remember that He's present. Consider your place in the plan. But then finally, obey His commands. You say, Pastor, how does that help me in the hard times? Because he knows best. And when he speaks, his word is a sure and safe footing upon which you can walk. It's not just a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Can I tell you that there will be days when his word will be the path itself, covering new ground. When the Lord made clear his plans to Joseph, Joseph obeyed. And folks, can I say to you this morning that if God has made clear his plan to you, which he has in this word, then even in the chaos of Christmas or any other season of life, there's hope to be found in obedience to the command of God. It is life-giving grace in your life because remember this word is not God's way of saying if do these things so I will love you no this word is God's way of saying I love you so do these things see it's very different not earn my love no while you were yet sinners Christ died not if you can be good enough no you were already terrible but God loved you anyway And since you're a part of his family, this is how this family lives. The season leading up to Christ's birth and the night of his birth were not peaceful and serene. Instead, for Joseph and Mary, it was a chaotic and confusing time. It was scary and challenging. See what it was? It was real life during a very difficult time. Maybe the first Christmas for Joseph and Mary looks something like your Christmas this year. Maybe right now today you're having a very difficult time honoring the Christ of Christmas because all the things of Christmas. Or perhaps it's not the things of Christmas. Maybe it's the things that, that, that nobody else knows about in your life. Maybe it's the struggle in your life. 
Not, not everybody else. Maybe it's you. Maybe you woke up this morning and you looked in the mirror and you said, Lord God, I don't even know who I am. God, I, no, nobody loves me. Nobody cares. Maybe you got up and you looked in the mirror and you said, if everybody else knew who I really am or what I really am, then nobody would love me. Maybe, maybe while we were having our silent night last night, you were in the midst of chaos and turmoil. Maybe your phone rang and it was bad news that you don't know how to process. Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem while she was nine months pregnant. Outcast, terrified, young, broke, and lay their baby in a manger, feed trough. They weren't able to enjoy the pregnancy and the birth. They didn't get to make a nursery and buy a stroller. Morning sickness, swollen feet, misery. But then, you ready? They gazed into the face of Jesus. And everything else faded away. So folks, this morning, even if you've not had a silent night in years I invite you this morning look into the face of Christ look at the pierced hands and the wounded side remember that he is with you not only is he with you he went to the cross for you what is your place in God's plan to be a loved child of the king and what is the most important word of obedience? God, I need you. Because all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Perhaps you belong to Christ. You need to look and gaze in the midst of the storm. You say, Lord, do you care? He says, I'm right here with you. And today, he can speak into the storm in your life. Say, Peace be still. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, I pray that you would be present among us. That your Holy Spirit would continue to work in this place. That, Father, even if our nights have been anything but silent, that today we would find peace and comfort. Not only in the baby of Bethlehem, but in the crucified Savior on the cross and in the returning King who will make all things right. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.